with you guys today um, about what God's been speaking to my heart. Um, whenever I share with you guys, I mean, there's been times when I've been nervous, but um, it's mainly just I'm kind of, it's like speaking to family, sharing your heart with family, because um, you guys are my family. And um, prophesy. Prophesy. What does it say in um, Re- Revelation? The um, that's right. The the message of Jesus is a spirit of prophecy, or something like that. So I'm going to share Jesus with us. Amen. So it is prophesying. Um, the Lord's just been speaking to me about um, grace. Uh, we were singing all these songs about God's grace and um, dancing in fields of grace and everything. And I looked at many. I said, "Did you?" Did you talk to Justin about what I was going to be speaking about? Um, so it was a confirmation. Well, I see my dad. He just pulled up. I was wondering if they were going to be here. Um, you know, for a long time, I had, um, when I got saved, I experienced grace. And that's my prayer for each one of us, you know, and the ones that are hearing this message over... Um, the airways or whatever on the internet, um, is I'm going to do a teaching on grace, but my heart is that every single one of us experience grace because experiencing it is way more important than understanding it. Um, we can have a, a knowledge of it, but in, until we experience it, um, we haven't got a hold of it. Um, but God began speaking to me, and I was like, what is grace? You know, I've always heard grace is um, God's unmerited favor. Um, I could give you that definition since I was a little bitty. Um, well, what does that mean? Um, but grace, God began speaking to me. It's, it's, it is His favor. It's His... His um, His overwhelming goodness toward us. Um, beyond what we deserve, beyond what uh, we could ever deserve. It's, it's, it's God's choosing. Um, you know, the Lord showed me one of the very first things I was thinking about that God brought to my mind. He said, in Luke chapter 2, you guys know the story of, of when Jesus um, was born. And it says that the angels appeared to the shepherds, and they proclaimed something. What did they proclaim? They began singing, and they began singing. They began singing, peace on earth, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, and what? Goodwill toward man. And I looked up with that word goodwill, and basically it comes from two Greek, Greek words, and it, it's talking about um, a choice, a decision, where it comes in, where is will, and then pleasure. So basically, God was coming to a time in history where He was choosing to have good pleasure toward man, to have good thoughts, to, be, to have, um, another word is satisfaction, to look on man with satisfaction. Um, I think God, you know, it's kind of like what, what Dorman has talked about in the past. I think God finally got to the place where He was like, I'm... Um, I'm tired of being mad with mankind, angry with mankind, and looking at their sin. And, and God, that makes man on our level, and I don't want to do that. But I think God, God at that point, He sent Jesus to take our sin. And from that point on, when He looks at mankind, He doesn't look with anger anymore. He looks with pleasure. It's like He chose in His will. He said, my wrath is going to be poured out on my son Jesus. And from this point, peace on earth. He was declaring peace on earth and goodwill. Not just between, for one person. Um, and that's what we're going to get into later. We see, we see examples of God's grace extended to man before Jesus came. But from that point on, he was saying, I'm, going to look, I'm choosing to look with, with favor upon man from this point on, from Jesus on. Um, And that's what grace is. Grace is God's choosing to look with favor upon each one of us. Um, 
You know, I was thinking about David. Um, well, first of all, let me talk about Abraham. Um, it says God came down and he looked for um, someone to show his pleasure on in all the earth. And he chose Abraham. It says God had grace toward Abraham. And God, we know the story. God called out Abraham and he said, I want you to leave your, your country. And at the time, God, Abraham didn't know God. It says in one of the prophets, he said he was serving other gods at the time. Um, it wasn't like he was serving the one true God. But God came and God revealed himself to Abraham and he spoke to him. And he said, I'm gonna, I want to bless you. And I want you to leave your country and I'm going to give you a new country. Um, and then he, after he had left and he obeyed, he said, I want, and, and Abraham was like, I'm getting old. Um, and I don't have any descendants. You guys know the story. And, and God took him outside. And he showed him all the stars. And he said, this is how much your descendants are going to be. Um, why did God do that? It was God's favor upon Abraham. Um, Abraham believed. And it says it was reckoned to him as righteousness when he did that. What was Abraham believing? He was believing God's promise, but he was believing that God loved him and that he was showing favor on him. Um, and then you look at God's covenant with Abraham and how that grace was not just for Abraham, it was extended to his whole lineage after that. Even the Jews today, um, they're a blessed people. Why? Not because they deserve it, but because of their, their connection with Abraham um, and that grace that is extended to them because of that. Um, you know, David... Is another, well, let me back up. Jacob. We see God's grace extended toward Jacob. Um, you know, Jacob was a, he was just a, um, he was a scoundrel. He was just a little sleazy kind of a guy. Um, but because he was related to Abraham and the covenant God had with Abraham, Jacob apparently didn't know God. I mean, he knew of God because I'm sure his parents had taught him Isaac. Um, but he didn't personally, God hadn't personally revealed himself to Jacob. And, of course, you guys know the story how he cheated out his brother, um, schemed to get his brother's um, inheritance or his birthright. Um, and he has to basically flee, um, get run away from home because his brother's out to get him um, for good reason. And... Uh, he ends up camping out, and God, God comes to him that night and gives him an, a revelation of these angels up, going up and down. And, he's, um, and God speaks to him at that time in that, in that dream and says, I'm going to bless you. And Abraham, Jacob didn't deserve it at that time. Um, the fact is, he deserved, he deserved a lot worse. Um, but God extended grace toward Jacob. He said, um, Jacob, I have loved and you think, why did he love Jacob? That's grace. That's God's favor. Um, and then he goes and he's at, at, in Laban's. He, run, he gets over to his father-in-law's place after he's fleed his hometown. And he's in a different country, different setting. God extends his favor, his grace. And he finds one of his relatives, Laban. Just God directs him there. That's favor again, a sign of God's favor. Well, when he's there, um, he falls in love with one of the of Laban's daughters, of course you guys know, and he gets cheated out, kind of you reap what you sow, um, and he gets scoundreled out of that, and he's, he agrees to serve him seven years for that one, that he's, the daughter that he thinks he's getting, and of course he gets, he gets cheated out, and so um, to really, after he, after he marries the wrong, the wrong daughter, um, he agrees with Laban to, to to, to, to get the winterly one he loves, he, married, he agrees to serve another seven years. So he's there 14 years serving his father-in-law. Well, he makes a deal with his father-in-law. You guys know the story. He says, okay, I'll do this. But he says, um, I'm going to... All the basically the reject sheeps, he, he's, a, he's a sheep herder. He agrees to serve, to, 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 serve, to shepherd the... the Laban's flocks, and he says, okay, all the ones that have blemishes, they're miscolored, or 
that have, you know, that their coloring is not right, they're not solid white or whatever. Um, I get those. And you get all, or I forget, Alan, you tell me. He, stripes and the spots and all that. I get, I get to keep those. And usually it's a very small percentage, you know, of the flock that turn out that way. It's not the, it's not the dominant gene. And, and Laban says, okay, well, that, that sounds like a fair deal. Well, guess what happens? God's favor is on Jacob. And every stinking one of those sheep, not all of them, but a large percentage of them come out spotted and, and discolored. Um, and, and Jacob's, Jacob, um, his, 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 his herd keeps getting bigger and bigger, and, ja- and Laban's keeps getting smaller and smaller. Um, well, Jacob saw that, and he's like, this ain't right. We need to change this up a bit. And so he changes it, and he says, okay, I get all these, and you get all those. Well, again, as soon as, as, soon as, as, soon as they made that agreement, um, all, the, all the sheep stopped being born after that were this other way. And his herd was still growing. Um, and you guys know the story. Eventually, Laban was like ticked off. He was like, you're getting, all my wealth is going to you. This ain't right. Um, <laughs> and so basically they got to the point where it was like I'm going to have to run away from here because Laban and his, his clan is getting so upset with me so he flees but you see God's favor upon his life that's grace it wasn't what he deserved you know he was a scoundrel um, but God's grace upon his life caused him to prosper um, in that setting and I was thinking about okay um What today? What what? How do we have that favor? What what causes that favor to be extended toward us? And like I said, when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus was the one who who that covenant was established with Jesus, and He made made a way so that all of mankind could have that same favor extended toward them. Not because what we deserve it, um, because God chose through Christ, to extend that favor to mankind. Um, Ephesians 1.6 talks about how we've been made to be accepted in the beloved. That word accepted means to grace. You grace somebody um, to compass with favor. And when, when we've been accepted into Christ, we've been accepted, we've been graced, um, we've been caused to be compassed, to be surrounded with favor. That's who we are now as, as, as believers in Christ um, because we belong to Jesus. God extends His favor toward Jesus, and so if we're part of Jesus, we receive that favor um, in our lives and upon our lives. Um, you know, Ephesians 2 says, By grace you've been saved through faith. So faith is one of the key things that releases God's favor in our lives. Um, you know, you look at Abraham, and Abraham, he, God spoke to him, and he said, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. I want you to leave. I'm going to give you a country that you didn't. And it says, Abraham believed God. And so that favor was extended as he believed, as he, he said, God, I believe you. I believe that, you're, that you want good for me. Um, and that favor was released into his life. Um, and it, was, it says it, his faith was accounted as righteousness. Um, so one of the key things to receive God's grace. Guys, I know I'm talking to things we've heard before. I'm not saying anything new. But hopefully it's a reminder. Um, it was for me. Um, faith release, releases God's grace in our life. Um, the other thing I thought about was um, the importance of humility. Um, James 4, 6, 6 and... Um, uh, let's turn over there. James, John chapter, in James chapter 4. says, I'm going to start in verse 5. Or do you suppose it is 
to no purpose that the scriptures say he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Um, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. And so humility is one of the key things that... Um, prepares our heart, I guess, or makes us recipients of God's grace. Um, you know, I've talked about that before. I, I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to be someone God resists that He opposes. And if I have a prideful heart, um, then I put myself in that place. But if I have a humble heart, then He's drawn to my heart. And He says, man, that's somebody I'm going to show my grace to. I'm going to extend my favor to Him. First um, Peter chapter 5 Says, says, sim, says a similar thing. Verse 5, or verse um, 6 says, well, let me start in verse, verse 5. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to elders. Close yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, humble yourselves, but therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that He may properly time, and so that He might at the properly time exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon Him, for he, because He cares for you. Okay, again, he almost quotes the same thing as what we just read in, in James. Humble yourselves. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Um, let me read this one thirty-eight Psalms one thirty-eight six. Um, that that actually. What we just read, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, comes, originally comes from Proverbs 3.34, where it basically quotes that. But two times in the New Testament, um, they quote that verse um, from, from, from Proverbs. And so we see that it's pretty important. It's something that the, even the New Testament um, Christians, believers, the, um, they wanted to stress, hey, Humility is important if you want to be a recipient of God's grace. Okay, this is, this is um, again, God's heart toward those who are humble. Um, <clears throat> Psalms 138, chapter 6, it says, or verse 6, chapter 1, Psalms 138, 6. Um, <clears throat> it says, for, for though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Those who are haughty, those who are prideful, he knows from afar. <clears throat> but his heart, he regards the lowly. That means he's, he's, his heart is toward the lowly. Um, let's turn to First um, Corinthians, or I'm sorry, Second Corinthians. This is Paul speaking, and I know this is this is a um, a scripture that we've <clears throat> that we've all heard and we've all seen before. But I want to read it again, in, in view of this humility and then the importance of humility in our lives to receive grace. Um, <clears throat> Paul says he'd been given all these revelations. Um, it talks about how you know even he had been taken up to the second heaven of the. Um, yeah, second heaven. And he'd been given visions and revelations and everything. And, it, and then he says in verse, um, chapter, seven, or chapters, ver, chapter 12, verse 7, it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan, to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Thank you. 
Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And grace is power. It's the power of God in your life, okay? For the sake of Christ, then, I, content, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so Paul had gotten to a place where he'd been given all these revelations and all these visions. And God says, I'm going to give you a thorn in the flesh. Why? Why would God give him a thorn in the flesh? So that he wouldn't be prideful. Okay? That's what he says. He says so that he wouldn't be prideful, so that he wouldn't be exalted above measure. Um, <clears throat> and then he says, God speaks to him, and Paul's like, God, why am I dealing with this? Why do I have to keep on dealing with this? Um, and he says three times, he, he asks the Lord, God, take this from me. I'm, I'm, I don't understand why I'm having to deal with this. And God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. Um, and so God says the same thing to us. Whenever we feel like we're weak, whenever we feel like, well, I can't do this, whenever we feel like, God, why, why am I having to go through this? What should we remember? That His grace is sufficient. Amen? Not, not anything else. His grace is sufficient. Um. You know, I was thinking about, uh, I was sharing with a friend of mine recently, and he was talking about some of the stuff that he'd been going through. And it seemed like there was, we, we, we kind of went through a time when Mindy and I were going through a lot of trials. We were going through a lot of hardships. And a lot of the people around us were going through, through not the same trials as we were. I think God, I mean, we all have our unique trials. But we were, there was a lot of people around us, seasoned Christians. Not, I mean, they were, they were not newborn Christians. But there was a lot of people um, of our, in our circle and our friends that were going through hard times. And I, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, why? We, and we had gone to an encounter. And the Lord kind of spoke this to me when we were at this encounter. Why are there so many people that we know that are going through really tough times, you know, trying times. And the Lord began speaking to me that um, kind of along these lines, God's power is perfected in weakness. Um, and he spoke to me about gold. When gold is refined, when it gets pure and pure, when it's very refined, does it get harder or softer? Softer. And so the more God, and God does that because He's preparing us for greater things, but the more refined we get, the more like Christ, and Christ is formed in us, we don't get harder, we get softer. We get more pliable in His hands. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's what God's after. That's that humility that God is working in our lives um, so that we'll be pliable, that we'll be soft. You know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about grace and I was in town this, this, this week. And whenever I have been a recipient of grace, whenever I get a hold of grace, and I, 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 um, when I've received His grace, and I come across somebody over here that is ugly, that is dirty, that they're filthy in their sin, so to speak. Um, instead of becoming harsh, when, when, when I am walking in grace, when I look at that person, I don't become hard toward that person. What do I do? I love that person. Grace extends love to the most, har to the most ugly, harsh people, you know, because love sees them through grace. Um, and that's the way God is in our life. Um, that's the way grace is in our lives. When we receive grace, the more like Christ we are, and the more grace we have received, I become softer in my view of other people. I don't become harsher, I become softer. Um, and more, 
more grace-giving. Um, I also become more grace uh, softer in my view of God. You know, when people say, when people get offended, when they, get, when they go through hard times, and it's like, well, God did this, and I'm mad. That shows me that they haven't really received grace. Or they've forgotten what grace is. Um, because grace, by its very nature, um, is something I don't deserve. And if I see what, if I see what I do deserve, and I, then I see what God has given me, then I'm like, whoa. That makes me very thankful. Very, um, it's a word. Grateful. Yeah, grateful. It makes me very grateful. Um, that's why Paul, I think, said, you know, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. He said, I was, <laughs> I was killing Christians. And, so, and it says, God chose me to, to basically be a picture of his grace. Um, so... God wants us to see people through a lens of grace. He wants us to see life through a lens of grace. Just like Justin was talking about love. Love should overshadow everything we do. Well, grace, grace and love are tied together. Um, we can't... But one of the things that um, I think that we forget too is that when I've experienced God's grace... Um, you know, a lot of people say, and Paul said the same thing, and I um, forget where. I looked it up. Or maybe Peter. But he says, there's some people who, who basically have turned the grace of God into lasciviousness, or basically lawlessness. They've done whatever they want. And so I'm going to talk to you a minute about what grace is not. Grace is not just a free ticket to live however I want to live. If I've, truly, if I've truly experienced grace, um, then it does lead to freedom. I experience freedom. But that freedom um, causes me to want to live holy. Want to do what's, what, 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 what God wants, what pleases Him. Um, it doesn't cause me to say, well, I'm free to do whatever I want to do. You know, people who just desire freedom apart from grace. I just want, I want freedom. I don't want, um, and having experienced grace, if all they want is freedom, then it does lead to iniquity. It means lawlessness. Um, you know, I was thinking about a picture of what grace and freedom and and its result in my life produces. And I was thinking about my dad, and I didn't tell him I was going to share this. Um, but this was years ago, before I was, I was around, but I was so young I didn't remember. Uh, but my dad and, and my uncle, uh, my dad had gotten saved. They went to a Bill Gothard seminar, and God totally um, changed their life, exchanged their lives. Um, and anyway, my dad was back, and, and they were farming. Well, uh, they were a part of the, the farm program, the FSA government farm program, and they were going to put up some sprinklers, I think. They were going to do some kind of some improvements on their farm related to irrigation, and they went over, and there, there was some government assist, assistance for that. To, to improve your efficiency and everything. And so dad went over to Farwell to sign up for this assistance. Well, one, one of the questions on the farm, on this form was, um, will, you, will you do this? Will you put up these sprinklers or whatever it was? Will you do this um, even without the assistance? And dad was honest and he filled it out. Yeah, we're, we're going to do it either way. Now we'll take the money. But, I mean, that was his train of thought. Um, but his train of thought was, okay, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. Um, 
And the lady looked at that and she says, well, she, she put the form back in front of dad and he said, we're going to have to change this because if, if you fill this out as, as yes, well, then that disqualifies you for this assistance. And um, she kind of acted like it's just a no big deal. Everybody does it, you know, um, just kind of a procedural no big deal. And so dad was like, okay. Um, well, he gets back to Friona and, and the Lord's convicting him. He gets back to Friona and he tells my, he's farming with my, my uncle at the time, George, and he tells George, he said, George, I got to go back around there. I just go back and change that. I said, I just can't, we can't lie. Um, and so he turns around and he's, at the time, I mean, it's several thousand dollars. It's not like we're just walking away from a few hundred dollars. It's several thousand, I'm sure. And so he goes over there and he says, I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't, I can't do that. That's what grace does. Grace doesn't say, you know what, you can just, it's no big deal. You can just do whatever you want to do. Grace says, you know what, that's not right. And you need to turn around and go do it and make it right. Um, I'm thankful you did that. So that, that is a picture of what grace, the, the, fr- the fruit in our lives um, you know, the world, there's a lot of things in the world that says, you know what, it's okay. It's no big deal. Just call in sick. You, you know, you're not sick. You're going to this ball game or whatever, but just call in sick. It's not a big deal. Um, my sister had that happen to her at work when she was nursing. Um, and dad told her, he said, you know what? You can't call in sick if you're not sick. Now, if they give you just personal days, that's one thing. But you can't lie. And that's, that is the world, a lot of times, they're, they're going to just say, well, it's no big deal. But grace says, yeah, it is a big deal, and you can't walk that way. That's what grace does in our life. Um, does that make sense? Okay. Um, let me read a scripture that kind of goes along with that. Maybe This may be the one I was thinking of earlier. This is in Jude. Um, yeah. Jude chapter... There's, there's this one, no chapter. Jude 4, verse 4. It says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were des- designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So... There are those out there who basically says grace is just a free ticket. Um, God just will turn the other way. He doesn't care how you live. Yeah, He does care how you live. Grace produces, should produce. If grace is real in your life, it should produce a lifestyle of holiness, a lifestyle of righteousness before Him. Um, Titus, let me turn over there. Titus chapter 4 says the same thing. Not, not chapter 4, sorry. Chapter 2. Verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self, self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's what grace does. It teaches us to live godly and righteously in this present age. Um, And to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself, us, a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's what grace, that's the effect grace should have on our life if it's real. Um, I got this written down. I said, freedom without grace leads to lawlessness and iniquity. But grace leads to freedom and holiness. Okay, so what do we do if we sin? What if we do if we do sin? I I mean, all of us have... Um, 
Well, let me, let me go back and let me read this one. Come boldly to the throne of grace. Yep. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me go over there. This is kind of a, a scripture that we don't like to read because it's kind of scary, and it is a little scary. 10.29. Well, let me start in verse 26. It says, For if we go on sinning de- deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and of and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. You know, if you don't receive Christ God's grace, or you reject it because of your own whatever, um, there is a wrath that is coming, and it's not going to be fun. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much more punishment do you think will be deserved by those who have who has trampled underfoot the Son of God, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and has outraged the Spirit of grace. Mine, King James says despite, I think. Done despite unto the Spirit of grace. Um, you know, and I was thinking about what Jesus said about blaspheming the Holy Spirit. He said, you can say whatever you want to against the Son of Man. But he says, if you blaspheme or you speak against the Spirit, there's no forgiveness. And I was thinking about how, you know, that's, that's, a scary, that's a scary thought. I don't want to do despite unto the Spirit of grace. Um, and that's basically living my lifestyle where I'm just saying, you know what, I can do whatever I want. Grace is there. Um, it's a free ticket. And I, and I sin willfully. You know, I, I do things that are willful, that I know are wrong. Um, and all of us... All of us do the things that we know are wrong at times. So what do we do? We repent, you know. Um, but I don't want to be someone in, who does despite into the spirit of grace. I don't want to offend. Whenever I do do things that are wrong, um, and I make decisions that are maybe maybe like maybe I'm in a position like Dad, um, where I'm there's a gray area, and I've been there, you know. Uh, and I do, and I go ahead and do it anyway. You know what? My spirit is grieved. The spirit of inside of me, I've done despite into the spirit of grace, and there's something inside of me that is grieved, and I don't want to stay there. I finally get to the place where I'm like, God, I'm sorry, I'll do whatever. Um, I don't want to offend your spirit of grace. Um, and that's, that's not what God's talking about here, okay? He's not talking about where if you... Um, he's talking about someone who basically says, I don't care. I don't care if I grieve, if I offend Holy Spirit. I'm going to keep on doing it. Um, and that's a scary place to be. I don't want to be there. Um, I don't want to insult. The Greek is to insult. I don't want to insult the Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace that's been extended to me. Um, but if we do, if we do insult the Spirit of grace, or if we do offend, do offend and we mess up and we do things that we know are wrong um, what do we do we repent we repent and we turn and we say just like you know I was thinking about Luke chapter 15 that's a that's a to me that's a great example of how the respond father responds to us what does he do the prodigal son he welcomes us back he's looking for us he doesn't just turn a cold shoulder when we, when we do things that are wrong, that we know are wrong, and there's something inside of us that's grieved, we come to our senses and we say, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to offend your spirit. I don't want to offend you, Jesus. And so we repent, and God doesn't come to us, and he doesn't say, well, you're going to have to prove it. You're going to have to let me know that you've been walking, you know, that you really mean it. No, he doesn't. Immediately, he closes back with that robe of righteousness. Immediately, he puts a ring on our finger and says, you know what, the authority, everything that you had before is, is right there. God didn't hold us back. Um, his favor is right there. Um, you know, I was thinking about Philippians chapter 3. What did, he, what did um, Paul say? He said, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. We forget, we put it behind us. Um, you know, I was thinking about David and God's uh, 
David was one of, again one of those in the Old Testament that God extended grace to because of his faith and his obedience. And David messed up big time, you know. He um, he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had her husband. He committed murder. Um, he messed up big time. And and once he came to that place of repentance, God didn't say, you know what, you're gonna have to pay. Um, that covenant that I had with you is now broken. Um, he didn't do that. In fact, is God forgave David. There were consequences, but God forgave David. And his lineage after that, that covenant that he had established, that favor that God had upon David's life continued. It's amazing to me. You read in the, in the, the, the accounts after what, in First and Second Kings. And the other ten tribes, the other kingdom of Israel, the other kingdom, man, every, every other generation nearly, that grace was not on them. Every other generation, they had a new king, a new whole family, a new high family of kings. Um, and David, even, even, even though his, some of his descendants were wicked, they were evil. Um, and it says that. It says at the end of their life, at the, the account of their lives, they were evil. You know, these people, these kings, they did not follow after, they did not walk with God. Um, but it says, because of my covenant with David, because he was a man after my own heart, God did, chose not to, to eliminate their kingdom. Um, and that's the covenant we have with, he's, that's the covenant we have. We are part of that same covenant with, because we've been brought in line with, with, with Jesus. You know, one of the things, and I've talked about this before, one of the things that God, because we are under His grace, we are brought into that grace, is one of the things that God does with us is He chastens us. And we think, well, that's not right. I don't like being chastened. But He says He does that because He delights in us. As a father delights in his sons. Um, he doesn't do that with those, those kids of his, those people out there who are not in his favor. It's only those who are included in his favor that he delights in, that he does chasten. Um, my kids know when I discipline them, when I get onto them, whenever I correct them, it's because I delight in them. It's because I have favor toward them. And that's the way God is with us. Um, he's not got to let me just get off in left field without dealing with it. Um, Again, that gets back to what Titus says about the grace of God has appeared, teaching us. The grace of God teaches us how to live. And when we get off in left base, or when we get start having a little pity party or tender, uh, temper tantrum, the grace of God comes in. The Spirit of God comes in and it corrects us and it, change, it chastens us. Um, You know, I've already talked about what grace looks like in our lives. Um, one of the things that I wanted to share with you guys about, uh, one of the things that we get to do to extend grace, um, that, to release grace. You know, we as believers um, have a tremendous privilege in that we get to release His grace upon this earth to those around us who don't, who don't know about it. Um, you know, I was thinking about ways that grace is released, and I've talked about faith, and I've talked about um, humility. The other thing that releases grace is prayer. You look at, you look at um, Paul's writings, and over and over again, he says, the grace of God be with you. The grace of God... And over and over, he, 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 he prays and he extends grace to the, to the people around him. First John chapter 4, I believe, it talks about the last chapter, one of the last chapters. Paul says, or John says, um, he says, if you see someone who's in a sin, he says, pray for that person. And it says, it's a sin not unto death. Pray for that person and God will grant them forgiveness. Um, and so we as believers, if we some, see somebody that's, 
living in sin or they don't know anything about grace, we have the, the privilege to release grace into their life so that their eyes can be open and they can receive grace. Um, I don't know how many times I've been... Um, I, I'll, I'll see somebody and I'll... This one guy in particular in Friana, I would just... I'd see him over and over and, and, and I'd have a heart toward him. God just would move on my heart and I'd just pray. I'd say, Lord, touch his heart. Release him. Um, Release your grace upon his life. And I didn't have the words, you know, I didn't know. God didn't give me any words to go speak to him or anything, but I would just release grace upon his life. Well, years later, um, I would see him up at, I would go visit Trinity. And I saw, you know, he would have maybe have moved away and I would see him at Trinity and it would bless my heart. Um, because he had come to a revelation of God's grace, of, of salvation. Um, and we have that ability. Everywhere we go, we have the ability to release, to pray for people and release God's grace into their lives. Um, you know, I think about all the, the grandparents and the people who have prayed for me over the years. I know I, I had a grandmother that I know prayed for her grandkids. And I, I probably wouldn't be here today standing up. I wouldn't have, have experienced God's grace if I didn't have people in my life that prayed, that released God's grace for me so that I would see it. Um, So we have a responsibility as, as believers to release grace, to pray and release grace over people. Um, Paul talks about growing in grace. And uh, I might have to shut her down. <laughs> I just want to share this story. Um, a while back, we were watching a video YouTube deal. And... Um, how many of you guys know Chris Christopherson? Of him, he's a country singer, uh, kind of an old time, old school country singer, Willie Nelson type that that day. But he was on this this show, and he was being interviewed, um, and it was it was not even a Christian program. I mean, it was just a um, it was a country program, you know, country music program. But they were asking him about this experiences he had, and and he was talking about how, basically, his salvation experience. He had gotten, he had gotten radically saved. Um, and this was later in life. I mean, he was in his, I don't know, I don't know how old he is, 60s. But he was, it was later in life. And he, after he had had success, you know, had his career and everything, well, he, he was invited by this, he was doing a charity concert or something, and he was invited with this friend of his, or this person, to go to this um, meeting, I think it was, I don't know, something white. And uh, he goes, and he said, I didn't know up from down about spiritual things. You know, I said, I was lost as a goose. He said, um, and he's sitting in this, he's sitting in this um, service, and it, then the guy gets through preaching, and he said, I, I said, I couldn't tell you anything about what he said. But he said, he gets to the end, and he said, any, any of you people who are lost, raise your hand. And he said, he said, I found my hand going up like that. And he said, I didn't want my hand to go up, but it was going up. And he said, something was stirring inside of me, and he said, I didn't know what it was. And he said, any of you guys who raised your hand, y'all come forward, and, and, and you want to get saved, y'all come forward. And so he, finds, he said, I sure didn't want to be walking in front of everybody. And he said, I found myself getting up. And he said, I found myself going down. And he said, um, he said I didn't know what I was doing. He said, the guy, the, the, the one who was preaching, he said, he's standing there. And he says, he's, he's talking to me. And he says, um, so you, so you want to, are, are how did he put it? You know, I was asking, like, are you, or do you want to receive Jesus? And he said, I don't know. I don't know. He said, are you lost and you want to receive Jesus? And he said, I don't know. And he said, he said, he's having all these emotions and everything. And he said, that guy just, just puts his hand on him and he prays. And he said, immediately, he said, the forgiveness of God hit him. He said, the grace. And he said, I felt such a peace that I'd never felt before. And he says, he's telling this story. And he said, I received forgiveness. He said, I didn't even know I needed forgiveness. He said, he was totally, totally lost, you know. 
And he wrote this song. Um, if you guys get a chance, y'all Google it. But he wrote this song, and, it's, it, and it's, the title of it is Why Me, Lord? And that is a picture of grace. None of us deserve it. God, why me? Why did you choose me out of everybody in the world? Why did, you, why did, you, why did I see your grace? Why did I? And if, that's what I'm saying. If you, receive, if you truly, my heart is, is not that you have a mental concept of grace, but that you experience grace. Because once you experience it, I don't think you can ever go back. I mean, I, I, I don't see how you could ever go back. Um, I don't see how you could ever, I mean, I, I know there's scriptures that talk about, uh, you know, receiving the grace of God in vain, and I didn't get into those. Um, but when I really receive grace, I think that's my attitude. Why me, Lord? What did I, and he goes on, what did I do to deserve? I didn't deserve anything. I didn't do anything to deserve your grace. Um, I don't know if I'm going to, I think I'm just going to quit right there. Mindy, why don't you come up? Let me pray. I'm just going to pray for us. Father, I come to you right now. And Lord, I pray for the ones here, but Lord, I pray for anyone who might be hearing this message that has never experienced your grace. And I pray that you would release um, your grace upon their lives. Lord, that the ones here, it talks about growing in grace, that you would help each of us to be reminded and so impacted by your grace that we, um, we again, are so grateful um, knowing that we don't deserve anything. Why me, Lord? Why us, Lord? Um, I pray for a, a, a revelation and uh, just a true experience of your grace, Lord, upon every single person here and upon the ones who are going to hear this message. In Jesus' name, amen.